0: welcome to the bible questions podcast brought to you by biblequestions.org and the holly street church of christ this podcast is dedicated to answering your bible questions from the bible my name is brian and along with jeff we are the hosts of this program
1: hello and welcome to the bible questions podcast my name is jeff and with me is our regular co-host brian brian how are you doing today hey doing
0: well jeff really enjoying this study about paul and look forward to diving into a little bit more
1: about him indeed so today's podcast is the second part of a study about paul more so from the perspective of how paul behaved what he did the choices he made etc and how in many ways he serves as a good role model for us today You know, back in part one, what we went over, and of course we would encourage our listeners to to go back and and listen to part one, but in terms of a very quick review, we saw how that Paul was a very zealous person, he was very committed to God, not only when he was being raised under the law of Moses as a very faithful and zealous Jew, in particular a uh, Pharisee, you know, received uh, some degree of religious training by one of the famous rabbis of his time. But that zeal for God prompted him to do what the Old Testament required for those who would promote other gods, which in this particular context, Christians, uh, and those who followed Jesus claimed him to be son of God. You know, at the time, he, Paul viewed them as being uh, heretics, as being punishable according to the law of Moses by death for you know proclaiming a you know, false gods, false uh, son of God, etc., and that zeal you know continued you know, unabated you know after he became a Christian. And so, we, we see him being very zealous before, being very zealous afterwards, although being very zealous, at least prior to his conversion, it was not according to you know true knowledge that indeed, you know, Jesus was the Christ, the promised Messiah, Son of God, but that his zeal continued unabated, which we should have zeal as well, you know, regardless of, you know, how we're raised or how we're taught or et cetera. We also saw that Paul, based on this zeal, demonstrated great conviction and courage, even to the point of being willing to die for Christ in martyrdom which secular history records that's exactly what happened to him and likewise we as christians should be willing to suffer persecution up to and even including the point of death but that even at lower levels that, that paul was you know willing to give up things in order to know christ in order to become a christian that in his particular case he had to kind of give up his jewish religious background and he had to give up belonging to an elite group of religious leaders that he had to give up his, you know, religion, so to speak, to switch over. And of course, we can learn from that as Christians that if we've been raised in a religious denomination that it turns out to be teaching false doctrine, that we likewise should be willing to give that up. Or if we're in a work relationship or a career or a job that requires us to do what God would not want us to do that, you know, be willing to, you know, give up, you know, those kinds of jobs. Or sometimes we have to give up our friendships. And sometimes even we have to be at odds with our family members. Today in part two, we're going to continue onward and see what other things we can learn from Paul's example for us. But Brian, before we do that, did you have any other uh, introductory comments?
0: You know, one of the things we talked about in the beginning of our first part was you know when we are able to look at others and see how they have been faithful to the Lord, how they've handled adversity, it's really good for us to try to emulate them. And you know I do want to re-echo a point you made, Jeff, and that is you know we're not saying, hey, let's go worship Paul. We shouldn't worship any man. But for those who we know that are Christians and emulate godliness, we can certainly see how we would use this term carry themselves and emulate that and really that's kind of our hope here right is to kind of look at paul's life see what he went through as a person and then all of us as people and christians see what we can learn from him because certainly he lived a wonderful life and is a wonderful example for us i agree you know paul was also very steadfast and when you think about this word steadfast if you were to look at a dictionary definition i have one here from the american heritage dictionary it says firmly loyal or constant, unswerving, fixed, or unchanging, steady. So that's, I really like that definition because when you think about our goal, and certainly when we look at Paul, how he was steadfast, it really should be, yeah, we should be loyal, right? We should never change. We should be steady and, you know, someone who can be counted on, we might say. And so you know, Paul, in the face of adversity and persecution, we all know, based on what we see in the scriptures, that he suffered a lot. However, he never gave up. In fact, if you look at Second Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll let you read that on your own if you'd like. Second Corinthians 11 verses 24 through 27. Paul lists some of the persecution that he went through in his life, and it was a pretty staggering list. You know, he talks about how five times he received 40 stripes. So in other words, he was whipped with a whip five different times and received 39 stripes with that whip each time. Amazing amount of agony if you were ever whipped. And I don't know that any of us have ever been. I haven't, but I can't imagine. You know, we've all probably seen videos of that or whatever. It's awful. He was beaten with rods. He was stoned until he was presumed to be dead. So think about people gathering around and throwing stones at you until you die. Awful. Uh, He was shipwrecked three different times. So, you know, that was a mode of transportation. He just ran into bad weather and all sorts of other circumstances that caused him three different times to be shipwrecked. And on one occasion, he was a night and a day in the ocean before he was rescued. Anyhow, he talked about, in addition to that, he was hungry and thirsty and naked and cold. And so just a litany of different things that he suffered, yet he did not let it deter him. He remained steadfast. In fact, I just want to look at one example a little more closely, and that's the one where, you know, after he was stoned and left for dead, we see how he immediately continued doing the work of the Lord. So if you look in your Bibles at Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 19, it says, then Jews from Antioch and Iconium came there, and having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. So as we touched on in our first podcast, you know, Paul, as he went from city to city, the Jews were envious of him teaching the truth and drawing people away from them, and they ultimately wanted him dead. And we see that here. These Jews uh, convinced the people to stone him. And verse 20 says, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So certainly the Lord blessed him, allowed him to keep his life. But he had to be pretty beat up, right? I mean, you know, if you were stoned, and then in verse 21, it says "And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Orlystra Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. So this is like the very definition of being steadfast. You know, it's hard for us to grasp but he could have this attitude that, you know, hey, through many tribulations we're going to need to enter. So therefore, he exhorted them to continue, you know, keep pressing on, don't give up. And I guess we would ask ourselves that as well, right? Are we steadfast or do we find ourselves wavering when we face adversity? Do we have the attitude that we're never going to give up? Do we press on to the goal of eternal life and therefore we're willing to weather these storms of life. So questions that we should just ask ourselves, right, Jeff? So I'll, I'll turn it over to you for any thoughts.
1: Well, and I think that's good because in some ways we can see how Paul in what we would consider to be ex- very extreme cases, of, you know, active persecution, people trying to throw him in prison, people trying to, you know, physically abuse him, people, people trying to kill him. Right. And yet, despite that, he kept on going and i will contrast that with at least here within the united states the somewhat cushy so to speak cushy lives that we as christians have where you know generally speaking you know the government's not out to get us generally speaking our neighbors are not out to get us you know generally speaking on the on jobs at work you know we can be a christian we can you know etc and generally speaking the the most we tend to suffer so to speak or people might, you know, say things against us or gossip about us. But that's, you know, pretty much these days the extent. Now, certainly in some countries, and I'm thinking in terms of India or China or where there's a dominant uh, Muslim population, you know, Christians certainly are actively, physically persecuted, prosecuted, et cetera. Uh, and yet, regardless of our circumstances, we can look to Paul again as an example of someone who, you know, kept on keep it on, despite the you know adversity, the suffering, uh, etc. Now, beyond that, in some ways, being steadfast could also be expressed as being strong, uh, strong in the faith, uh, strong in your belief, your conviction, etc. Uh, certainly, we see that in Paul, and we should have that as well. You know, Brian, I'm kind of thinking of Romans uh, chapter uh, 8, starting roughly verse 35. And think in terms of Paul's circumstances, or to some degree our own. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, powers, things present nor things to come, height, depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we certainly have that shining attitude available, uh, you know, to us to you know encourage us, you know, to be you know strong in the faith. Another passage, which Brian, if you want to read for our listeners, Second uh, Timothy chapter one verse 8 through
0: verse 12. Okay, here it says, beginning in verse 8, "...therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began." but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day
1: certainly you know strong encouragement there not to be which that particular passage you know starts off at the beginning, not to be ashamed, if you will, uh, to have a firm faith, uh, conviction, trust in God and in Jesus. Or, or as Paul expresses it in Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So certainly in, in Paul, we have a very good role model of being strong in the faith.
0: Ryan, Yeah, and I think he really is. These statements that we just read really illustrate he did have strong faith. And I really like that, you know, 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, where he says, you know, even though I suffer these things, I'm not ashamed for I know whom I believe in and am persuaded, right, that he's able to keep what I've committed until that day. What day is that? The day of judgment, right, until the end. And when you have that kind of faith, the word no here, I think, is very powerful because he knew in his heart these things to be true. And because of that, suffering was just an inconvenience in some respects, right? So kind of hard for us to relate to.
1: Right. And we'll kind of see that in the the next section, the next couple sections as well.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and in fact, this next section we want to talk about was content in all circumstances in his life. And so, you know, Paul found himself in many different circumstances. And so one that he talks about as it relates to being content was found, uh, or we will find over in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11, Paul here says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am, To be content, I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So a wonderful attitude there. You know, he's telling us in verse twelve that regardless of the situation he found himself in—hungry, thirsty, persecuted, nowhere to sleep—all of those kinds of things. He learned to be content. And verse thirteen really illustrates that, you know, he knew, he was confident, he had the faith and strength that through Christ he could be content. And wonderful example, as we talked about in our last point about his faith. You know, over in First Timothy chapter six, here he talks about, you know, the spiritual and how he didn't want to focus on the physical. And this is another, I feel really good example for us because all too often in our world today, everything physical is emphasized. And, you know, so Paul says, beginning in verse uh, 6 of 1 Timothy 6, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So Paul certainly here is emphasizing we need to be focusing on the spiritual and not with the physical. And so, you know, some questions we might ask ourselves here, are we content with not only the things that we have, but the circumstances we find ourselves in when we suffer trials and tribulations? Is our focus on wealth or the physical possessions of life or on spiritual matters? You know, Paul here talked about flee that attitude of being focused on the physical and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith. And so if we Ask ourselves these questions. One easy way for us to kind of make this determination on if we are focused on the physical, for instance, versus the spiritual, is to kind of think about or evaluate what we think about all the time. What do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your time spending your money on? Do we always desire to have that new thing? Or Is our focus and our thought process generally spiritual in nature, where we're doing things like looking for opportunities to do the good work that God gave us to do? Or once again, is it merely physical, whether it's a title, whether it's a new car, whether it's that shiny new object? Just a few thoughts there about some ways that we can look inward and say, do we have that spiritual mindset or a physical mindset, Jeff?
1: Well, and in fact, our next section is very closely related to that, where Paul evidenced having a a good perspective, if you will, or an outlook regarding both this life uh, as well as the life to come. In fact, I'm reminded of a a kind of a lengthy passage over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 8. You know, we won't take the time to to read the whole passage, but I'll just kind of, you know, hit some of the key individual verses or phrases. You know, begin with verse 8, you know, Paul saying, you know, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. Verse 9, especially persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 10, uh, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Skip down to about verse 15. For everything that he's gone through, for all things or for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Uh, Verse 17. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And, And here's a verse that just blows my mind. Verse 17. For our light affliction... Light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Of course, he wraps it up. Verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, that the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary, which is basically everything in this life. But the things which are not seen are eternal and similarly Romans chapter 8 verse 18 for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us so paul and we through his example you know can learn to have pretty much the, the proper perspective the proper outlook the proper view of this life and what things are about in this life and more importantly a view that this life is temporary and that there is an afterlife To come in the future. And so, you know, Brian, in in this life, you know, we we do encounter, you know, to some degree that we've talked about already, you know, religious persecution and tribulations. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that we encounter as well, you know, uh, financial setbacks or disappointments. You know, certainly people encounter, you know, challenges with their health family squabbles, political turmoil, etc. And if we're not careful, these kinds of things can, you know, dominate our thinking, cause all kinds of anxiety, which results in maybe either depression or anger, causing us to lash out at others or to be grumpy and irritable. I mean, whatever the case may be. But certainly through Paul's example, we can learn as you said it, you know, to be content with what we have, but also from you know these more recent verses, that we can learn to have you know proper perspective that this life indeed is temporary, and the things we suffer for whatever reason are temporary, and that there is something better that awaits us if we're faithful. You know, basically a good positive mindset for us to follow as an example. Right?
0: Yeah, and that, you know, this idea of seeing the big picture, we might say, having the right perspective is so wide ranging, you know, in our last point, we were talking about, and you also alluded to, you know, not focusing on this life or the physical, but on the spiritual. When you think about this idea of suffering, and when we consider the fact that Paul was writing to brethren in the first century, who Didn't have, like you said, Jeff, right? Cushy, easy, you know, sort of lifestyles that many of us have in comparison. One thing that they certainly were going through is is their own persecutions and trials and tribulations. And even though maybe it wasn't to the extent that Paul or Jesus went through, the truth is many of these people lived in pretty dire circumstances. Now, they also could learn to be content, as we talked about, but I think all of us can at least relate to the fact that when we're going through difficulties, whether it's health problems, problems with our family, you know, just all different kinds of suffering, it's so easy to get wrapped up in this life and lose perspective that we have to be able to endure this because there's something so much better that's waiting for us if we're faithful. And that's the other thing we can say about Paul, right? Is that he focused on the goal of eternal life. And because of that, it allowed him to have that perspective. It allowed him to endure and so forth. In fact, he encouraged Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12 to fight the good fight of faith, to lay hold on eternal life, he said, to which you were also called and having confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So when we confess our belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God in front of witnesses and we're baptized for the remission of our sins We're really telling God, we are now committed to you. We are going to fight the good fight of faith. We're going to seek to lay hold on eternal life. And we're going to live up to that commitment that we've made by being a servant of the Lord, as he would have us to be. And, you know, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you know, Paul really talks about obtaining eternal life like obtaining a prize, like an athlete would attempt to, let's say, win the gold medal in the Olympics. So, uh, Jeff, you want to read that for us? First Corinthians chapter 9, verses
1: 24 through 27. Okay. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified.
0: Yeah, thanks for reading that. And so, you know, he makes the point here, you know, certainly when you look at like an Olympic athlete or any other person who competes. In like a physical event here on earth it's for this perishable crown right or this perishable medal, in that sense paul talked about you know we all strive for this imperishable crown eternal life right and unlike most contests where you know you have either one winner or in the case of the olympics you have you know gold silver bronze eternal life can be obtained by all and in comparison to any physical competition it, it pales in comparison so Because this prize, if you will, of eternal life was so great, Paul didn't run with uncertainty, as he says. He was focused on that goal. He ran, if you will, with a purpose. And he even finishes up that section there by talking about how he kept his body in subjection so that some translations say that he would not be disqualified. Or if you look at the actual Greek word there, it means that he'd not become a castaway. So, you know, Paul didn't want his fleshly desires on this earth, you know, anger, lust, all these fleshly things that can derail us. He didn't want that to cause him to lose his focus on the goal. And so if he gave into fleshly lust, and he talks about, you know, as a preacher, he's telling people this, right? He's teaching them he himself is subject to that same set of rules, if you will, and the same set of temptations. And so Paul really focused on making sure that he kept that spiritual focus and eternal life in focus so that he wouldn't give in to these fleshy lusts and be disqualified. So we might ask ourselves, you know, hey, when eternal life is truly our goal, and is of great value to us, just like, you know, we talked about The Athlete Works to get that gold medal. Will we also be focused and disciplined to be able to obtain it? Are we willing to put in the effort and the relentless pursuit that it takes to seize that goal of of eternal life? Uh, just a good question for us to ask, and Jeff, certainly, I guess once again, eternal life compared to everything else pales in comparison, or the other things pale in comparison to eternal life, right?
1: Right? Well, and I appreciate you drawing a a parallel with the Olympics that, that you know we certainly are familiar with, and of course, you know Paul and Paul's day, you know, they had certain you know the Greeks you know loved athletic competitions. but I think in in our day, you know we can certainly recognize the kind of focus or dedication that, you know, these young athletes have to have to compete at a world-class level. You know, they train, you know, literally for years and not only long period of time like that, but also, you know, daily, you know, multiple hours every day, you know, focusing on some aspect of you know their athletic performance you know certainly they have to give up certain you know dietary kinds of uh, you know they're under you know certain dietary restrictions etc and pretty much dedicated focused on this goal of course in their world as you said it, they compete not everyone wins there's only one gold medal etc But in the spiritual sense, certainly the goal or the prize is is of much greater value and all can win. But they have to be willing to, quote unquote, you know, dedicate themselves. And in fact, very closely related to this, you know, focusing on that goal, fighting the good fight every day we also see through Paul's example that he persevered uh, that he persisted that, that he was as we said remaining constant toward that goal or toward that task in fact the last letter i think it's the last letter that he wrote while he was in prison the second time before <laughs> his uh, martyrdom a letter that uh, was preserved for us that he wrote to a fellow evangelist by the name of Timothy second timothy chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 where Paul's kind of seeing the end, so to speak, at least of this life, says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So, having been raised a very faithful, zealous Jew, Having been, you know, converted into, you know, Christianity and continued on as a zealous lover of God, going through all manner of, you know, trials and persecutions and turmoils, et cetera, and as he's nearing the end of his life, you know, he's he's kind of saying, okay, yep, I, I can see the end is in sight. You know, the race for me is just about over, but but you guys out there, you keep on, you keep on keeping on that this, you know, if you will, this crown of life can be obtained by all, and that even as he is facing martyrdom, you know, he's turning around and encouraging everyone else to, you know, to to persevere, to to keep on keeping on, again, regardless of the circumstances. So, excellent example there, as well, as Paul kind of closes out his life and we kind of see the the end of what happened.
0: Yeah, and you know, some people might wonder, like, how could Paul draw this conclusion that he fought the good fight and he finished the race well let's remember this is an inspired writer the holy spirit approved of what paul was saying and frankly if if we're doing what the scriptures teach us while we may not we certainly don't want to assume oh i'm going to heaven it's guaranteed Uh, god's the judge he looks at our entire life right and he makes that judgment However. It's not inappropriate to say, you know, I've done my best to do what God's word taught me. And certainly in the case of Paul, he could say that with confidence because he knew he was doing those things that were pleasing to the Lord. And the Bible helps us all make that determination. And so once again, yeah, there's that fine line between being proud and arrogant and, hey, look at me, and, yeah, I know I've kept the faith, and being confident that based on what the scriptures teach us, that we're doing what's right. And so, you know, Paul was such a wonderful example as a Christian. And hopefully as we've gone through this, Jeff, we've, we all find it motivating, right? To fight that fight and to finish the race and so forth, uh, because of what Paul did in the course of his life Uh, It should be very encouraging to us.
1: Right. Well, and, you know, as, as we were kind of describing, I'm also kind of thinking, you know, just a little bit on the side of like Job where you know despite all kinds of economic problems despite all kinds of financial despite you know losing his family losing his health to some degree losing the support of his wife you know managed to in many ways persevere and certainly we have that that example in paul and sometimes if if we start feeling kind of down or discouraged or woe is me You know, I would certainly encourage our listeners to pause and consider the example of Paul, who went through a whole lot more than probably 99.9% of us will ever go through, and yet still stayed the course, still managed to remain faithful, uh, and be pleasing to God. So, Brian, any other thoughts before we uh, toss out a couple questions that have been recently submitted to us? Uh, Nope, let's take a look at those questions. All right. So you get the first one. Uh, This comes in anonymously uh, and asks, what was Paul's attitude toward the Jerusalem church?
0: Yeah, I like this question because it certainly changed over time, didn't it? (laughs) You know, when we think about, you know, when he was Saul of Tarsus, before he was known as Paul, we were looking earlier and talking earlier about, you know, how he openly persecuted the church, specifically the church at Jerusalem. In fact, in your Bibles, if you notice uh, in Acts chapter 8, it talks about this beginning in verse 1, where it says, Now Saul was consenting to his death. This is talking about Stephen, by the way. And it says, At that time, a great persecution arose against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And so one thing that we talked about in our first podcast or first part of this um, series here on Paul was how he was very committed to serving the Lord and was fully convinced that this persecution that he was you know, putting against the church was the right thing to do, because he felt that Christianity was wrong at the time. And so, you know, he sat there when Stephen was stoned by the Jews and consented to his death. Uh, so at that time, yeah, he was absolutely hostile towards the church at Jerusalem. But after Paul came to the knowledge of the truth and repented of his sins and was baptized, and we see that in Acts 9 in Acts chapter 22, he talks about it, he became a member of this church, and so if you look in Acts chapter 9, we won't read it, but if you look in verses 26 through 28, it talks about how he joined himself to that church to work with them. And we also see in Acts chapter 15 that Paul returned to the church to report the conversion of the Gentiles and you know was received by the apostles and elders there, and they listened to him, and they knew that he had been converted and that he was now a faithful servant of the Lord. So you know this is kind of an interesting question, Jeff, because he had a closer relationship with the church in Jerusalem, but before that closer relationship, you know, he certainly was hostile towards them, and it changed over time. I guess we could say.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think in part one I described as like a 180 degree you know turnaround from you know trying to ravage the church, trying to ravage these you know heretics, to becoming one of them. <laughs> And not only becoming one of them, but also, you know, associating with those that he probably previously persecuted and, you know, went on to become you know, a, a great and notable, you know, teacher, leader uh, and example.
0: All right, Jeff. So the next question is for you. And this comes from uh, Muthakumar. And he says in Corinthians 9, I guess, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, Paul talks about losing his salvation if he does not discipline his body. What does he really mean? My understanding, he says, was that you cannot sin away your salvation.
1: Now, this particular passage, I think, Brian, you quoted earlier, verse 27 of 1 Corinthians. And yes, it is 1 Corinthians chapter 9. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. And, you know, I love this question. Because sometimes people will be raised a certain way, taught certain things, and then they'll come across these verses and they'll go, well, wait a minute, what does this mean? Now, it, it could be, admittedly, that the verse does have a reasonable explanation that would harmonize it with other verses that they've been taught previously. But sometimes this is like the big, you know, the light goes on and they go, now wait a minute. Paul was worried about becoming disqualified. What does that mean? Well, basically, yes, you can sin away your salvation. Uh, in fact, you know, Paul over in the letter to the Philippians, chapter 3, beginning with verse 11, you know, kind of continues that thought where he says, if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead, of course, that would be for an eternal life. Not that I've already obtained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So yes, indeed, Paul recognized that he himself, you know, the quote unquote great apostle Paul, you know, could fall away, could become disqualified, could, in our vernacular, lose his salvation. And and, you know, Brian, I think there's kind of a lesson there for us that as, as diligent, as zealous, as publicly known, as, if you will, famous, that Paul was, he was still not satisfied with himself, nor was he satisfied with what we might call, you know, all of his wonderful good works. Some people might say, well, you know, I've done so much for God that I know he'll overlook just this one sin. For example, certainly was not Paul's attitude nor do we see in Paul perhaps an attitude that says, hey, you know, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. You know, all of my quote unquote future sins have already been forgiven. So, you know, why should I worry? God will take care of all that, you know, and, and as a result be, you know, complacent or lax or casual, which is one of the very real dangers of what we might call the false doctrine of once saved, always saved. Or in other circles, it might be called faith only. That we can sort of like, hey, our ticket's been punched. We're going to heaven. Great. Now, does it really matter if I'm faithful? Well, no, not really. Does it really matter if I go and worship God? No, not necessarily. I mean, you should, of course. But, you know, is it required? Am I sinning? Will God punish me? Will I lose my salvation? Of course not. Of course, all that's false doctrine. And that uh, Paul was also very, and again, a good example for us, very self-aware and very sensitive to the dangers lurking around. Dangers of temptation, dangers of sin. And, and, you know, honestly, Brian, I'm I'm kind of thinking in in contrast with Peter and the other disciples. You know, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, uh, a good passage if our listeners want to turn over to Mark chapter 14. uh, Mark 14, beginning uh, verse 27. Where Jesus himself makes the following prediction. All of you, and of course, again, this is the night he was betrayed. All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Verse 29. Peter said to them, good old Peter, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. Jesus said to him, Surely I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And finally in verse 31, But he spoke even more vehemently, If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said likewise. So here we have, you know, a zeal, sort of, but not balanced, as we've seen with Paul, with that sense of being, you know, self-aware, of being sensitive, that, Yeah, I could stumble. I could fall. I could renounce my Lord. I need to be careful. And of course, as we saw in in the case of Peter, exactly what Jesus said, you know, came to pass. That when push came to shove, unfortunately that night, you know, Peter did deny Jesus and denied him three times. In fact, I think one of the passages says that somehow that Peter was able to see Jesus and Jesus was able to see Peter and Peter denied him the third time, and Peter saw that and had to go out and weep, or not had to, but went out and wept bitterly. He had been caught, so to speak, in that sense of not having that sense of, of self-awareness. And there's, you know, something we can, can learn from today as well. You know, certainly Paul was very self-aware. Uh, in fact, Ephesians chapter uh, 6, you know, writing from Paul over to the Ephesian brethren, chapter 6, verse 10, And, of course, we should pay attention as well. Paul was aware of this. He encouraged others to be aware of this. He's encouraging us to be aware of it. Verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. And of course, he goes on with verse 14 to draw an analogy from all the various implements of uh, Roman soldiers and their armor and their weapons to include especially verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one so we need armor we're at war we're in a battle against satan satan is cunning evil enemy has wiles has fiery darts and i think this is again a lesson that we as christians should learn from paul who was very self-aware Uh, even though, quote, unquote, he was a very famous, you know, faithful Christian, you know, well, well well-founded, well-grounded in the law of Moses, well-grounded in the law of Christ, etc. Still, still, even Paul had to be careful. Even Paul had to be self-aware. Even Paul had to say, you know what? We all need to put on the whole armor of God because we are in a spiritual war, a spiritual fight for our very lives against a very ruthless enemy. And so, you know, the, the quick answer to the question coming all the way back around, you know, what does he really mean about, you know, becoming disqualified? He, he means what he said. And that the, uh, the, the person who submitted the question, my understanding was that you cannot sin away your salvation, is incorrect. That we certainly can. And many people do. Now, of course, there's always repentance. We can come back to God. But that is a very near and present danger that we all need to keep in mind all the time. Brian, I'll toss it back to you. You know,
0: one of the most uh, insidious false doctrines, I think, in the world today is this idea of once saved, always saved, right? So whether it be because of the false doctrine of Calvinism and how, you know, the saints will be preserved, if you will, or, you know, some just believing that, you know, once you're saved, God's, through his love and grace and mercy, is going to make sure you never fall away but as you pointed out very well it's it's just fallacious and i say insidious because it leads so many people astray where they can where they do believe you know oh i can just live any way i want i, I can't be lost uh, but yet the scriptures are very clear you know first corinthians 10:12 you know therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall or one i also like you know Hebrews three twelve. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So, yes, even though Paul was an apostle, as you pointed out, Jeff, uh, that you know, and an inspired man, he still had free will, and you know, he still could have fallen away, and took that very seriously, and certainly we should as well.
1: Exactly, and so I think that kind of wraps up the second part of our podcast with all kinds of good things we can learn from Paul. As a quote unquote model Christian, not because we, as you said, and I appreciate you pointing it out, not because we worship Paul, uh, or, as I said in part one, you know we want to become of Paul or Paulites, so to speak. You no, know, ultimately, we are you know modeling our life after Christ, but you know, with Paul and with other examples in the New Testament and with righteous examples we encounter even today, you know we can learn from those role models and. and use those to help encourage us to, you know, pattern our lives based on uh, how God would want us to live.
0: Yeah. So for some additional information, we encourage you to go to our website, biblequestions.org. And on that homepage there, you'll see an alphabetical index. Also, if you go to the topics section, you'll see an alphabetical index. And if you look at the letter E, you can find information on encouragement. F for faith. Go to the section or letter H for more information on heaven, L for love, P for Paul. I have some additional information there if you'd like. And then Z for zeal, Paul certainly had plenty of zeal. And you know, Jeff, one of the other things we touched on in the first podcast was, you know, if you like these types of character studies and you really would like to get more information on you know, people like Paul and especially under the Old Testament, you know, Moses and David and so on and so forth. If you go to our website, and you'll see a section called Bible Surveys, Old Testament Characters, and you'll see it's a multi-part study on all the main characters that you'll see in the Old Testament. It was done by our evangelist, Alan Hitchin, just an excellent job he did. And there's literally a study for each of these different people, Abraham, Lot, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and so on. So anyhow, we hope that you'll take advantage of the additional material that we have. We also hope that you will consider the principles from God's word that we looked at today from Paul and about Paul and implement those principles into your life.
1: Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at BibleQuestions.org.